Okay, let's see how you do now. Good morning, church. Good morning. Okay, all right, good job. Okay. <laughs> Had to give you a second there. Okay. Well, you know, it is Father's Day, isn't it? Uh, may, uh, what a blessing. I get my son and my granddaughter to come too. <laughs> you know, we, we talked a little bit about disciple making this morning at Sunday school. And, and really, the example that we have to be as disciples of Jesus Christ. And as we go on in Acts and the study that we're doing in Acts, we're going to look this morning at Acts 7, kind of the last part of verse 8 on to 15, start of 15. You know, it's a, a thing for us to do, to be. It's an active thing. Oh, I forgot. I didn't turn it on. Sorry. Okay. Is that better? Okay, <laughs> got to make sure Wheeling can hear me. <laughs> um, Father's Day. You know, as dads, we, we try to be examples, don't we? You know, but you know, I have to say, Father's Day for a preacher <laughs> can be a royal pain in the neck, I think, sometimes. <laughs> you see, the preacher, being a guy, and especially if the preacher is a father, it kind of hits close to home. <laughs> you know, I can talk about God because I know God. I can talk to you about Jesus because Jesus is the Lord of my life. I can tell you about the power of the Holy Spirit because I've experienced that power. I've seen it. But when it comes to talking about fathers, about what the perfect father should look like or act like, eh, I sometimes can draw a blank. You know, I made mistakes. I have. And I imagine that a, a great deal of you fathers here today may feel the same way I do at times. We're not perfect, are we? Maybe we look at each other through the wrong eyes sometimes. Maybe we measure each other with the wrong standards or the example we're setting. However, what if I measure success and failure what if we all do? We measure success and failure the way God measures success and failure. What if we do that? I want you to think about that as we go forward today. Let's get together. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning. Our hearts open to you. We're thankful, Father. You are our Father. You are the one that does set the perfect example that none of us can match. But thank you, Lord, for accepting us who we are and forgiving us, Lord. Pray, Father, that as we move forward in this life, that we will live as an example for you, Father. Guide us this day, Father. Bless the fathers this day. Guide us in your name, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So remember that here in Acts 7, one of the First deacons, remember Stephen? Yeah, he's on trial out there because for the cause of Christ, you know, and he was on trial for his life before the council of the Sanhedrin. Hmm, kind of the supreme court of the day, I guess, of Israel. But it was kind of a kangaroo court at the time, wasn't it? Well, in Acts, you know, it says so in Acts 6, 13 and 14, it tells us that all of the charges that were brought against Stephen were trumped up by false witnesses because those guys in the Sanhedrin didn't want to let him keep going. 
you know, probably all of us here today could tell a story sometime about uh, some great examples in our life, couldn't we? You know, it, we've all had mentors and people, you know, I look at uh, Pastor Wayne, who was kind of a mentor to me, and uh, I, I look at others that uh, have set examples for me. But here's one, I want you to listen to the testimony from this young lady from Ohio. Her name is Holly Rudy, and she wrote, My grandmother was one, the one who took me to church at a young age and introduced me to Jesus. She was the one who raised me during the early years after my parents divorced. She was the one who prayed for me as I grew up, growing between parents and providing a port in the storm when things got too tense with my parents. What a testimony from Holly. What a testimony. My grandmother was a port in the storm. Holly's grandmother was a great example to her, wasn't she? And we've had lots of great examples. I mean, right here in the Bible, there's tons of great examples for us. You know, and Joseph, the one that uh, we're talking about today in Acts, is probably one of the best ones of all. And as far as I know, God's word never says any one negative thing about Joseph. Of course, Joseph wasn't perfect now. Don't get me wrong here. He wasn't perfect, and, and neither are us fathers, unfortunately. But he is a great example for us today, right here, if we look at what he's telling us. And we should try to follow the footsteps of, G of Joseph. So, my friends, first of all, we have to remember that God is with us. He's here with us right here today. And God was surely with Joseph back in those days, I'm, I'm telling you. Verses 8 through 10 tells us that Starting with the last part of verse 8, Jacob begot the 12 patriarchs, his brothers. And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all of his troubles. Church, God was with Joseph. He was with him. And he surely was then, just as he is right here today. He's with us. Jesus himself has said in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never. God has given. He's even with us when our family lets us down, isn't he, sometimes? You know, talk about a letdown. I mean, in verse 9, the, the brothers, the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. And what kind of family love is that? You know, they sold him as a slave. They wanted to kill him, most of them anyway, but they didn't. So let's look at the story as we, we read Genesis 37, 1 through 10. This kind of gives us the foundation for this. It says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. In this genealogy of Jacob, Joseph being the 17-year-old, was being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them, to them, to his of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, and because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic made of many colors. We remember that story. But when his brothers saw that, 
their father loved him more than his brothers. They hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. He said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding the sheaves in the field. And then, behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Whoa, imagine those brothers hearing that. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? <laughs> or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more. Ah, for his dreams and his words. And then he dreamed still another dream and told his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. <laughs> so he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down the the earth before you? Uh, well, we know at the end of that story, they do. <laughs> In Genesis 37, Joseph's brothers had gone away to feed their father's flock. And, and their father asked Joseph to check on his brothers. And Joseph, being isolated away from home, gave his jealous brothers the chance, the perfect opportunity to take their revenge. And they leaped at that chance. And then verse 27 tells us what happened to Joseph. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let, us not, our hand, let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. So Joseph's brothers kind of let him down in a big way, didn't they? Outrageous way, not just a big way, an outrageous way. But remember, God was with him. And he's with us here today, too. He's here. Has anyone in your family ever let you down? Have they? You know, on some level, I'm sure somebody has. Because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Some of us have been terribly hurt by the people who were closest to us, haven't we? And I hope that's, I hope that's not you. But if it is, remember that no matter what, the Lord is with you. He's there. God's with us when our family lets us down, even as, even as fathers when we do that. And he's with us when we are falsely accused as well. You ever been falsely accused of anything? <laughs> yeah. After Joseph was sold into slavery, he was falsely accused of rape by his master's wife. Horrible thing. What a horrible thing. Most people never have to go through that nightmare, but... Most of us will go through some tough times, won't we? Won't we? And when, when we're either just misjudged or, or misunderstood for what we're talking about or what we're hearing or whatever. Joseph was falsely accused, but the Lord was with him. He was with him. And he'll be with you too. He'll be with each one of us, no matter what it is. God's with us even if we're falsely accused because he knows the truth. He knows it. And he's with us when our friends forget us. <laughs> in Genesis 40, Pharaoh's butler and baker both were thrown into prison where Joseph was. Both of them had dreams. <laughs> and God gave Joseph the ability to interpret those dreams. 
So he did. The baker's dream foretold his execution. Okay. But the butler's dream foretold his restoration. In both cases, Joseph was able to successfully interpret those dreams. And then in verse 14, Joseph tells this to to the butler. And he says, remember me, remember me. It is well with you. And please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of here, out of this house. But when the butler was freed, he forgot all about Joseph for two years. (laughs) Forgot all about him. That is until Pharaoh had a dream that needed to be interpreted. Oh, oh! by the way, I remember this guy back there. Yeah, remember? <laughs> Joseph's help was, for, was forgotten by a friend for two years, but God was still with him. He was still with him. <laughs> and he'll be with us. He'll be with us when our friends forget us, and he'll be with us when our dreams just seem to just die and go away. He'll be with us. What dreams do you have for your life? What dreams do you have? What, what, what is constantly there? When Joseph was 17 years old, he had two dreams that his family would bow down to him. And that may seem pretty arrogant, you know, when it comes down to it at first. But those dreams came from God. The problem was that 13 years had now gone by and Joseph's dreams hadn't come true yet. In fact, the opposite had happened in his life. He was sold into slavery, falsely accused by his master's wife, and thrown into jail with no visible hope of freedom ever. (laughs) But God was still with Joseph. And never forget, friends, never forget that he is still with you, no matter how bad it may seem. God is with us when our dreams die, and he's with us when there's nothing we can do we all like to fix things don't we cindy's always telling me you just like to fix it don't you (laughs) Uh uh-huh we like to solve problems for some problems we just can't solve on our own isn't there yeah there there was nothing joseph could do when he was in the pit there was nothing he could do when he was in prison Of course, he could pray, right? He could pray. And I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. We believe in the power of prayer, don't we? We're going to meet here next Sunday after that that all-city thing and pray. But I'm saying that on his own, on his very own, there was nothing Joseph could do. You see, there's going to be situations like that that we can't escape on our own. There will be. But God was with Joseph, and he is absolutely going to be with you as well. He is. In fact, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, we can humbly and boldly say that God will be with us, even more than he was with Joseph. We can say that because by the grace of God, we have been allowed to live on the resurrection side of the cross. Ever thought about that? As the angel told another Joseph in Matthew, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
And then Matthew kind of explained it in verse 22 and 23. It says, Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated what? God with us. He's with us. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when he's with us, you know, then by his Holy Spirit, the crucified and risen Savior, God with us, he is. So Colossians 1.27 tells believers that Jesus is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is. So friends, how can we follow in those footsteps of Joseph? How? Remember that God is with us. But also remember that we must remain true to God's statements and his word. Joseph reminds us that we should remain true to God's standards. And to see this truth, we go back to the history of the false accusation against Joseph. Part of the story in Genesis 39 goes, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't have a worry in the world except decide what he wanted to eat. Hmm. Now Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and about this time Potiphar's wife began to desire and invited him to sleep with her. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I ever do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Do you see something in kind of the way Joseph said that? You see, he didn't say I will not do this. He said, I cannot do this. You know, it was an absolute moral and spiritual impossibility for him to even contemplate that kind of action that she was trying to get him to do. What, what a magnificent way to say no to a temptation. I can't do this. No. Even though she continued to pressure Joseph, he never gave in to her. He ran away from her, leaving his coat in her hands. So she falsely accused him then at that time. But Joseph remained true to God's standards, not only then, but when he was able to interpret the dreams. Joseph always gave credit to God. In every way that we can see, Joseph remained true to God's standards and his word. And, and as believers and as fathers, <laughs> we are not perfect. No, we know that. And God knows that. But we should be growing in grace every day in his word. And we can keep God's standards because the God who was able to live a perfect life and Jesus Christ is able to help us live in more and more obedience to him. It's because of Jesus Christ we can live in obedience. 
My dear friends, to follow in the footsteps of Joseph, we must remain true to God's standards. We must. And we have to remind people of our Savior. That's where the discipleship part comes in. In Joseph's life, we see this great picture of Jesus Christ. We really do. I want you to think about this. And the truth shows up in verses 9 through 14. And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all of his troubles and gave him favor with and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now a famine and great trouble came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our fathers first. And his second time, Joseph was made known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to the Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent and called his father Jacob and the people of his relatives to he called them all to him. Do you see how, how Jesus was kind of a picture, or how, sorry, how Joseph was kind of a picture of Jesus there? Joseph was re- rejected by his brothers, sold for a price to have a slave, handed over to the Gentiles, falsely accused, and made to suffer for sins that weren't his own. Do you see some of that picture there? He was cast out by the Gentiles and put in the place of death. But he took possession of the keys of that prison and ruled there as he ruled everywhere. Nor could that place of death hold him either. He came forth in triumph to be exalted to the right hand of the majesty of the Pharaoh. In Genesis 41-45, Joseph was given an Egyptian name... I don't know how many of you have ever read this before, but Joseph was given an Egyptian name that was above every other name, which some scholars say translated as Savior of the world. Hmm. Interesting, huh? You see, Stephen had no need to tell all of this Joseph story or to make all the obvious applications of that story to Jesus. The members of the high court could see where Stephen was leading them through this, if they were really thinking. For God had delivered Jesus just as he delivered Joseph from the prison house of death, in which the state had placed him. Now he was high and lifted up beside the Pharaoh, and far beyond the reach of their petty spite, and he was destined to rule. Christ is the king. So, you can see where we can see Jesus in the life of Joseph, if you really look. But can people, let me ask you this now, can people see Jesus in you? Can they? Hmm. Can they find his purity in us? His patience, his forgiveness, his love, can they? A guy named Richard Wormbrand spent 14 years suffering for Christ in a communist prison. 
And, and he told the story of one husband who was a picture of Jesus to him. The man was sentenced to death by the communists, but before being executed was allowed to see his wife one last time. His last words to his wife were these, You must know that I die loving those who kill me. They don't know what they do, and my last request of you is to love them too. Don't have bitterness in your heart because they kill your beloved one. We will meet again in heaven. Those words deeply impressed the secret police guard that was there with them while they met. <laughs> and his heart was so moved by the words from that Christian husband that that guard turned his life over to Jesus. And Richard Wormbrand later heard the story from a former communist who was also in prison for becoming a Christian. Friends, <laughs> can people see Jesus in us? Can they? Can they truly see Jesus in us? Do we remind people of the Savior? Do we? Joseph has been dead for almost 4,000 years, but he is still blessing the world today with his example, if you read it. He's blessing us here today. And today, I just pray that God, may God help us to follow in the footsteps of Joseph, which leads us to Jesus, remembering that God is with us. He's here. And remaining true to God's standards in everything that we do. And reminding people of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I just pray that God will help us live. So that even after we may leave this world, we still remind people of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we lift our hearts to you, Lord, this day. As the one Father who gives us the perfect, perfect way to lead in this way, Father. To live and to honor you, Lord. May your name be glorified and may we live so that others see Jesus. Guide us this day, Father. Bless all the fathers that aren't here too, Father. Bless those that are here. Help us to live in your way, Father. Guide us now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.